Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Yes, do not let anything about life or life's experience suppress the worship and praise and adoration that's in your spirit and in your heart. For if you will allow, especially in the hard times, especially in the difficult times, when there seems to be no feeling or unction, but if you will allow the worship and praise and adoration of God to bubble up and flow up out of your spirit, you will see quickly the provision of God rushed into your circumstance or situation. For truly praise is the highest form of faith. So stand worshiping and praising and glorifying. And as you do, you will experience all that you desire. The need will be met. The provision will be brought. And you will have that which you need. So go ahead this day and this morning while I'm moving in your midst and worship and praise and bring a hallelujah up out of your spirit and you shall see all that you desire. You shall experience all that you need and God shall surely show himself strong on your behalf. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, lift your hands up and worship God. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Come on, open your mouth and glorify the Lord. Open your mouth and glorify the Lord. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we magnify you. Lord, we exalt you. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this morning, before you're seated, if you're, if you're fighting symptoms in your body or if you're struggling with something financially in your family, your business or your job, and you just need special prayer, come up this morning. We want to lay hands on you and pray for you. Just release the anointing of God into your life, the provision of God. Listen, the anointing's here. The Spirit of God's here. The power of God's here. So let's, if you need that, get out of your seat. Come on forward. Praise God. We want everybody to come. Then we'll let you be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Now be seated, if you will, in faith. Species of Christianity. Praise God. Hallelujah. Last week we ended up studying on the value of the Word of God. Let's read here in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 3. Praise the Lord. It says, speaking of Jesus, He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now for the most part, uh, to their own detriment, uh, the denominational world does not believe in what we call the five-fold ministry. Now, they're, uh, the closest uh, that some denominations come to it uh, is believing in the pastoral and the evangelistic ministry. Uh, but most, for the most part, most denominations do not believe that there are any apostles left, uh, that there are any prophets, uh, that there's any evangelists pastors or teachers. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, several of them have gone to what they call the priesthood. Uh, uh, you know, they, they have what they call the priesthood. Uh, well, the Bible says we're all uh, uh, part of the priesthood. We're a royal priesthood. Amen. 
Uh, but these, now these five offices or these five giftings, these five uh, uh, gifts that Jesus gives to the church are given to you as a gift from Jesus Christ. Now there's a reason for it. Now notice what it says. Uh, verse 12 says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, now the Amplified gives us a little clearer picture. It says, verse 12, His intention was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints. God wants you equipped. I said God wants you equipped. He wants you supernaturally equipped. So, He's given it for the Perfecting of the saints, for the equipping of the saints. It says, his consecrated people, that they should do the work of the ministry. Now, now listen to this. God wants you equipped to do the work of the ministry. Now, we don't get a whole lot of amens. People don't run around and shout and jump up and down because they point back at me. And they say, I want you, Pastor Rusty, to do the work of the ministry. Well, if I was to do that, then I would be out of order in the Word of God. Because my job as the pastor of Island Church is to teach, preach, and equip you to do the work of the ministry. You say, now what is the work of the ministry? It's that which we do in connection with our local church that we are part of and that which we should do as individual Christians. You say, what do you mean as individual Christians? Each and every one of us are called to be ministers of reconciliation. Did you know you should be a soul winner? Everybody say a soul winner. Let me, let me just say something, and don't get mad at me, but, but I just want to challenge you. If you've never won somebody to the Lord, sat down with somebody one-on-one, -on -one and explained the, uh, the, what we call the Roman road, the plan of salvation, told them about the love of Jesus, and it's, it's this easy to get saved, let them in a sinner's prayer, you've missed one of the greatest rewards of serving God. There is nothing more pleasurable in the kingdom of God. I've done it with lots of people standing in front of me in a ministerial situation. And I've done it one-on-one. -on -one, and I'm telling you, there is no greater joy than seeing somebody pass from darkness into life, from death into life, uh, and seeing the, seeing the look on their face when they realize, I'm now right with God. That's your ministry. That's your ministry. God's using me to help you, to prepare you to do that. Then there's the ministry of the church. You know, when we first began as a church, there wasn't a whole lot of ministry. There was preaching, a rolling, a couple of people led praise and worship. Uh, 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 we had a couple that took care of the, of the little kids, and then another couple that took care of the children. That was it. But now, over the last 12 years, we've got everything from the administration to the praise and worship team to the counseling ministry, the ushers and greeters, uh, uh, the sound booth and the, and the media ministry, the, the visitor's center, uh, uh, all of the Sunday school, children's ministry, Happy Harbor, Kid Current, Teen Torrent. We've got the jail ministry. We've got the tent ministry. We've got missions work. We've got all kinds of stuff. Now, listen, there is some place where you fit, you belong, and that you'll function in, in the work of the ministry that God has called you into. Now, I don't mean you run out and get a, you know, 501c3 nonprofit co corporation and, and start going by Reverend so-and-so. You don't do that, no. It's just the ministry that you're called into, that you're called to do as we function together as a church. Thank you for those three amens. Verse 13 says, Till we all come into the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me read that. I like that. That it might develop until we obtain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of 
of the full, accurate knowledge of the Son of God that we might arrive at really mature manhood and completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness found in Him. Can I say this without you getting mad? God wants you to be a Jesus. You say, what do you mean God wants me? You mean He wants me to die on the cross? No, no. God wants you to inherit the full benefit of your new birth. And as He is, we are also in this world. God wants, wherever you go, people see Jesus, people hear Jesus, people experience Jesus. Wherever you go, you bring Jesus to people. That's what God wants. Then it says this, that we henceforth... Be no more children. So that's where we stopped last week talking about child. If we remain children, then we're unproductive. Number one, we looked at six things last week. Children, number one, are undependable. Clean up your room. Take out the trash. Did you bathe the dog? Did you mow the yard? How come I have to tell you five times a day? You need to be dependable when it comes to the things of God. They are talkative, curious, amen. They are totally controlled by feelings. I don't feel like going to school. Are you sick? I don't feel like going to school. Are you running a temperature? No, I don't feel like going to school. Do you feel like doing your homework? No. I challenge you, do this. If you have a child, just let them, just let them do everything during the, during the week by their feelings. Ask them, do you feel like eating breakfast? You feel like going to school? Feel like doing your homework? Feel like walking the dog? Feel like clean? See what you get accomplished that week. We also determine that children complain about their diet. What do you want for dinner today? Chicken strips, french fries. Chicken strips, french fries. I don't even know what part of the chicken is the strip. Amen. No, you're going to need a little broccoli. You're going to need some green beans. Now, my mother, bless her heart, I, I, you know, she was burdened with me. And I can remember one night very distinctly, about three whippings later, sitting at the table at 10 o'clock at night in front of the green beans, just saying, I don't like green beans. Complaining about, well, I eat them now, Amen. But you've got to understand, you need the diet God wants you to have. We're not talking about your natural, we're talking about your spiritual diet. Why doesn't he teach on the end times? I want to hear about heaven. I want to hear where he might think Noah's ark is situated at. That's going to help you be an overcomer during the week, amen? And then we determined also, children do not understand value. And last week we talked about the value of the Word of God. How absolutely the most valuable thing in your life is God's Word. God's Word's brought salvation to you. God word, God's Word has brought the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God's Word causes healing to manifest. God's Word will help you understand your calling and your destiny. God's Word will prosper you. God's Word will give you joy, give you peace, give you... God's Word, after you've been born again, God's Word will bring tremendous change into your life. God's Word is the most valuable asset of our life. You must learn to value God's Word. 
That's why we always exhort people, bring a Bible, uh, bring a notebook, get a pen, get a pencil, write in your Bible, tear your Bible up, man, go through a Bible about every year to two years, do what's necessary to get the Word of God on the inside of you, and as you're taught the Word of God, mark it down, something that impresses you in your spirit, put a note by it. I've always likened my Bible uh, uh, to, a, to, a, to a fishing rod in real. If you had the greatest boat, say you had the most expensive boat with every uh, gadget you could buy, every uh, depth finder, every fish locator, every, uh, every uh, 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 trolling motor, every, uh, everything you could get on that boat and you set off on the nicest day. I mean, they were guaranteeing the fish were going to bite today and you took off in that boat and you went out there to the South Jetties and you sat there. And you sat there. And you said, you cannot convince one speckled trout. You cannot convince one flounder. You cannot convince one redfish. You cannot convince one sheephead or drum or anything else to just jump in your boat because you got a nice boat. Come on, guys. Come on, I spent a lot of money on this. Come on, I know I can see you on the screen. Just, just, I'll open the ice chest. Just, just jump on in. Come on. You could spend the whole day talking to the fish, and they're going to sit down there going, look at this idiot. He doesn't have that which is necessary to catch something. Your Bible, you are taught, but a lot of what you are taught, you will catch. Understand what I'm saying? And the Word of God is like a rod and reel. You th- Listen, you don't even have to have a nice boat. You can just go out and stand on the bank. But if you got a rod, man, you can, you, can get a, you can get a can and a string with a hook on it. You've got something to help throw out there and pull back in. You see what I'm saying? The Word of God helps you to do what? It helps you to pull it back in. You know, there you are on Tuesday, and you're looking. And you're like, well, you know, pastor was preaching on that. Let me look at the And you've made two or three notes. And next, next thing you know, the Holy Ghost comes on you and enlightens something that you were being taught. That's the value of the Word of God. Uh, there are whole nations that won't let you even bring a Bible into their nation because it's such a threat. It's the only spiritual book on the planet. Every other book written is written by the intellect of man, even Christian books, but the Bible is a spirit, spiritual book. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that men and women of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished. God wants to furnish you with His Word. And you must learn to value it. Now today let's talk a little bit about the value of the church. Now a lot of people today don't understand the value of the local New Testament church. Don't even understand what it is. Not every building that calls itself a church and gathers people is a church. Now let me ask you a question. Say a, say a, a new restaurant came to town. And they built the most exquisite, beautiful building that, you've, that we've seen on this island to date. I mean, it, it, this thing was just outstanding. They went and printed menus that were the... Top of the line. I mean, they were just absolutely, uh, absolutely. Hired a, a wait staff, hired a, a manager, did all of that. And they, they got everything in that restaurant but one thing. When you went there, they didn't serve you any food. They didn't serve you any food at all. Now, the, the building was beautiful. 
The waiters were, were buffed and polished. The tables were, were, were exquisite. The, the silverware was true silver. Uh, the, the glasses were all crystal. But they said, well, you know, uh, we would serve food here, but there are certain foods some people like and other foods that other people like. And, other, and so in order not to offend anyone, we don't serve any food here. But they do want you to pay at the door. you got to understand what a church is. A church is only that which falls into the definition of what God's Word said a church is. Uh, it says over in Timothy that a church is the protection against deception in the earth. Uh, that it's the standard of righteousness and holiness. Listen, a church that does not believe that you must be born again to go to heaven is not a church. They may have the correct menu, but they're not serving the right food. Churches ought to... Ought to, ought to ought to have conviction in it so that the sinner comes to repentance and gets born again. It ought to have the word in it so that the believer understands that it is God's will for it to be empowered by the Spirit of God and the Word of God so it can go out and live an overcoming life. Uh, the church ought to be a place in which the Word of God is taught uncompromisingly. In which we believe that God will heal your body. If you're addicted, he'll deliver you from addiction. If you're oppressed, he'll deliver you from oppression. If you're depressed, he'll get that out of your life. He'll help you to rise and walk in righteousness and holiness and understand what the calling of God, the blessing of God, and the provision of God is for your life. The church is a family. It is the family. It's called the household of God. God draws out of every kindred, out of every ethnic background, out of every religion. He draws out of that a people for himself in order to present to the world what it means to be a believer. So not every person that flies the flag of Christianity over their church is a church. Listen, I wouldn't go to, the, go to a church and do, well, uh, you know, it's okay. Uh, you can, if you'll just be good. Now, all that born-again stuff, you know, we don't know about all of that. Now, you'd be surprised how many churches talk just like that. I, I heard one guy who was, a, who was a so-called minister here in the area say this at a meeting I was at. He said, I don't believe God would send anyone to hell. Well, I wanted to raise my hand and say, God wouldn't. They go there by choice. A church ought to afford anybody that walks in the back door their greatest opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The church, as it grows and becomes a functioning body, begins to evangelize the area through benevolence, through good works, and through the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. A church ought to raise up and be missions-oriented and send the gospel throughout all the world. This year, I believe, uh, Pastor Lee and I are going on a missions trip. I believe there's another group that's going on a missions trip. So we're not only just sending our money, now we're actually sending people. One of our our sisters, I talked to her this morning, just got back from Kenya, from Abba's arms, and had a wonderful trip, and says, I'm going back next year. Yeah. Well, guess what? We're going to help send her in Jesus' name. Amen? No, we ought to do our part to go to the world. So not everybody that calls themselves a church is a church. So when you begin to understand what is truly a church and what is not a church, you will understand that a church is that what Jesus says is a church. Jesus said, upon the revelation of who I am in you, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when you begin to understand that the pastor of every New Testament church is Jesus, then you begin to understand only the churches that Jesus pastors are churches. You see, how do you know that? Because Jesus pastors this church. 
He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He is the, he is the uh, chief shepherd. All I am is the under shepherd. And because Jesus is the one who founded and pioneered and spoke this church into being, we are the ones that cooperates, cooperates with his word in order to follow through on that which God says to do. Now, secondly, a church has to have scriptural government. Now, today, churches have become uh, organizations. They have become corporate. They have become uh, entities in which groups of people within the church control the church. Now, everybody look this way. Look this way. Let me help you with something. Now, now all things being equal, uh, we have anywhere from about 550 to 650 people that call Island Church their home church. Now, we're believing God for that to grow. We're believing God to build a new building to seat about 1,000 to 1,500 people that we will grow to that level. Well, beyond that, we want to grow even larger. We want to grow one day uh, to the church God wants us to be. But at the end of the age, if we grow to be a church to be 10,000 people, there will not be one board member. There will not be one member of that church. There will not be one individual involved in any of the organization of the church or implementation of its ministry that will stand before God and answer for what happened in Island Church but one person. And that's me. And that's me. You say, now come on, pastor. Come on. No, the Bible says that pastors take the oversight. That means they're the ones that stand in a position in which they must oversee everything else that's going on. Now, we've got all kinds of helps ministers. We've got people on staff. We've got people that's risen up into their place in the body of Christ that are helping implement this ministry. But at the end of the day, I am the person that God deals with. I'm the, the person that God talks to. And I am the person that God says, you are the one that is responsible for everything that goes on in that church. Ow. That's why you ought to pray for your pastor. I said, that's why you ought to pray for your pastor. If you don't pray for your pastor, you're making a mistake. Amen. So we have a board. We have a board of advisors and people that we meet with and we talk to and they advise. And we have others that, that, that counsel with us, other pastors and other men and other people. We're actually doing some organization right now that's going to increase that. But at the end of the day, the buck stops right here. You say, why? That's the way God ordained it. In Acts chapter 15, if you want to study this, even when the apostles got into a great dispute over doctrine, uh, the Judaizers were going out and saying, well, you can get saved, but you're going to have to adhere to the law of Moses. Peter was all mad. Paul was all mad. They got in this great dispute. You know who settled that whole thing? James, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. Because the church of Jerusalem was a doctrine-setting church where the church at Antioch was a church that went to the world. You say, well, what kind of church are we? We're both. We set doctrine and we go to the world. We set the doctrine and we go to the world. That's exactly what God has called us to be. Now, there are some things unique to us as a church. Let me, can I just talk to you about Island Church for just a little bit? There are other churches that you go to that you may experience different things. And I, I even say churches that may uh, be of like doctrine that we are. But there are some things that I learned over the years. Things that, that enhance the church experience. And things that take away from the church experience. Uh, number one, when I first went into ministry, the Lord spoke to me. And in field ministry for 18, well, 18 to 20 years as we, as we traveled, uh, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you go into local churches and do not build your ministry. You build those churches. And so that's what we did. We went into churches and we saw little churches that started in storerooms. We saw little churches that started in washeterias and feed stores and all other kinds. And we saw them grow into beautiful churches by their own building. God just blessed them tremendously. 
So I understood how precious the church was to God, to the Heavenly Father. The Bible actually says in Acts chapter 20 that the church was purchased by the blood of Jesus. That's quite a price. Amen? But then I would observe things. I would look at things. If you notice, there are things we don't do here. Uh, we don't have a lot of pageantry here. You say, what is pageantry? Well, you know, uh, we've had people over the years say, Pastor, I think we should have praise dancers. And people that, uh, you know, parade around and dance and all that kind of stuff. Well, I've noticed this, and also through study, I've seen this. That most of the churches that had that, although there may be emotion in those churches, there's no true anointing. Secondly, in the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ under the Old Covenant, only the men were allowed to dance. To this day, if you go to the rabbinical schools in Jerusalem, because I've been there, if you go to the rabbinical schools that come out around the wailing wall and pray on the Sabbath, the beginning of the Sabbath on, Sabbath, on Friday afternoons at 6 o'clock, it's just the men that dance. And I want you to know when they dance, you can sense the presence of God. But then I've been in other churches where sure, they let the women, you know, they have this great pageantry of women that come through and they're all dressed kind of scantily and they're all kind of, you know, young. And, and I'm thinking to myself, what's all this about? When Israel used to get into sin in the temple, it would be the women that would dance and they would all be prostitutes. You say, well, why don't we have all that pageantry? Because in the New Testament, there's not a precedent for it. Amen. Uh, you've got to understand, uh, now, if this, if, this, if this rubs you further the wrong way, this is our standard. We're not going to do business here. You say, what do you mean? Well, we're going to build that new building, but I'm sorry, we're not going to put a coffee shop in it. Yes. You say, why? God hadn't called me to sell coffee. God hadn't called me to build a restaurant in a church. Now, we will have a nice kitchen. We will have a nice place where we can prepare meals, uh, especially uh, if there's another disaster upon this island. We're going to be able to feed this whole island. Man, we're going to have some big old six-burner and eight-burner stoves. We can pick and cook gumbo, and, and we can cook fried chicken. We can cook all kinds, and we'll feed this whole community. But we're not going to go into the restaurant business or the coffee business. Amen? Uh, as far as, as, far as uh, plays, now, now back in the 90s, it was very, very popular to have, uh, uh, there, there were these ministries that would come, and they would do all of this. It was almost a circus act. Uh, they would break ice and break bats, and they would blow up uh, 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 one of those hot water bottles until they broke. And, you know, uh, I never really thought much about that. Till I started coming in behind some of the, going into some of the churches behind those ministries. And I want you, those, those ministries left absolute destruction in those churches. Number one, they were fake. You say, what do you mean they were fake? All of that stuff they broke, they scored it first. You could have broke it. That wasn't no great feat of strength or anything like that. Those, those, those things that they blew up, the, the hot water bottles, they took them on a bat and stretched them and stretched them and stretched them until they almost broke where you could have blow, blew one up and popped it like a balloon. And when I saw that, I saw an element of deceit to that. One particular church I know, they, they spent $150,000, went Sunday through Sunday, 6,000 people came forward and got saved and gave cards to verify they had been saved and not one family joined the church. Now, that's not productive, folks. 
That's not productive. Listen, whatever you catch them with, that's what you got to keep them with. You catch them with a trick, you're going to have to keep them, keep them with a trick. You catch them with some type of Broadway production. Now, I'm not, now if you, we want to do an Easter pageant one day, we'll do an Easter pageant or a Christmas pageant. Our kids, or if a group rises up in the church that's theatric, theatrically motivated, I love doing anything that has to do. But then back then there came these groups that had all this type of, uh, they would get up and sing these worldly songs and, and, and talk about death and destruction. And, and it just was not right in the church. And even with some of the pageants, oh Lord. <laughs> no live animals in Ireland Church. We were preaching in one church and I made the statement they were going to have a, a, a ministry the next week that was going to bring two lions in. Real lions, African lions up on the platform of the church. And, they, and, they, and they, they do a little skit about Daniel and how the lions want each and all this kind of stuff. And so I just kind of jokingly made the statement, we'll find out next week who has faith and who, has, who doesn't have faith because whoever, whoever doesn't have faith, those lions are going to jump down there and get you. Well, guess what? They jumped down there and got the pastor's wife. And I was preaching in a church uh, down in Corpus Christi, a large church. And they had this, I don't know why they wanted me to preach on an Easter Sunday when they were doing the, the Easter pageant, the Easter play. But man, they had that church decked out. It looked like Jerusalem back in, uh, you know, the, whenever. And, and they had lambs and, and they had all this kind of stuff. And, and they had all these people dressed up. And then I'm sitting up on the platform off to the side like this. And in rides this guy on this big old white horse. Now, now let me, I don't want to get graphic or anything like that, but, but you know, you take a horse and fill his belly with oats, and then you stress him a little bit and put him in a situation like a church, and I want you to know what was coming out of the north end and the south end of that horse was not the same. And it was not conducive to the Easter pageant. I thought, oh my goodness. That was a wicked wind that blew that day. <laughs> Churches ought to be holy. They ought to be right. Now I know we've made some mistakes and we can laugh over some things. But listen, if you get married, this is where we marry you. If you die, this is where we'll bury you. This is where we'll preach your funeral. But this is where we preach the word of God. This is where, we, we, this is where the lost get saved and the believer gets filled with the Holy Ghost and the sick get ministered to. And the Holy Ghost ought to have a platform to move and it ought to have a liberty where there's not all this other distraction of stuff going on. And I've learned through observation of many, many hundreds of churches that I've preached in what does work and what does not work. And other churches may say, well, you know, uh, this is what we do. Well, that's between them and God. That, that, I'm talking about the standard of Island, Island Church. We don't play games of chance here. Amen. Say, what do you mean games of chance? We don't do giveaways. Now, we'll do giveaways in our tent outreach, but we'll just bless people. We just give to everybody. We give them shoes. We give them backpacks. But listen, I'm not going to give away a motorcycle to try to get an extra hundred people in my church. And let, and, let, and let 300 people come and, and 299 leave depressed and one leave saying, I got something from God. You didn't get nothing from God. You just won a lotto. You just, you just, you just won a, a raffle is all you did. That should not be in the house of God. It won't be in Island Church. We ought to value the church for what it really is. It should not be a sideshow. It should not be a freak show. It should be a place where the glory of God and the Holy Ghost has full liberty to move. Now you say, well, Pastor, I go to a church that's like, well, praise God, that's them and not me. Every person has to have that conviction. Every pastor has to have that conviction of what they are supposed to do, giving liberty to any other pastor that has conviction on what they're supposed to do. 
We bless people that do those things. I preach in many churches in which they do that. I preach in many churches in which they do that kind of stuff, but I've always noticed in all of them that have some kind of a gimmick, some kind of little side thing going, some kind of a, you know, uh, 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 some, some nationally known restaurant or coffee shop plastered across the front of their church, that there's always this element of, of just something being a little off. Now, now you, that are, you that are carpenters, I know several of you do framing and carpentry work, uh, uh, you know that you can be a little bit, I mean, just a few, a 32nd of an inch off right here. Right here. Well, that'll make no difference. But then when you get way over here, where are my carpenters at? Am I right? You get way over here, you got a big old gap in that thing that's about that wide. And you think, well, if I'd have got the measurement straight over here, it wouldn't be like that. Listen, we want to get the measurement straight. We want to honor God. Because God allowed His Son Jesus to shed His blood and Jesus views the church as He views Himself. Remember on the, on the road to Damascus when Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus was struck down. Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He didn't say, why do you persecute the church? He said, why do you persecute me? What the devil fights over in China right now, we're involved in several different missions and missions work in China. They fight the church, the underground church. They hate the underground church. They know revival can come through that church. They know God moves in that church. So they do everything they can do to destroy that underground, the true church in China. But I want you to know, God is raising up. We got one friend that's raised up over 6,000 home churches right there in the province in which he works right there in China. God's coming back for a glorious church. You'll find relationships in church. church. The church will be your spiritual support system. Listen, when you're going through some, that's what amazes me about people. When they go through problems or situations, they stay away from the place that is the spiritual support system of their life. Lord, if you're going through something and you're so depressed that all you can do is come to church in a white robe and a pair of pink slippers and sit on the back row and cry, just come anyway. The church is going to help you get through that situation. It's going to help you get out of that situation. You ever notice the first thing the enemy tries to do when you're going through something is try to get you out of the church. Just get out of the church. Yeah, you don't need to come to church. You're going through something. Well, that'd be crazy. That'd just be like saying you're too hungry to go to Kroger's. So, I, you know, you got money to go down and buy. Why don't you go down and buy some food? I'm just way too hungry to go grocery shopping. I'm too hungry to go down to Gatto's and get me a meal. I'm just, people say, man, that guy done lost his mind. That's like one of the ladies saying they're too ugly to go to the beauty shop. Well, we want people to get help when they need it. Amen? <laughs> what Brother Osteen used to say, a little paint help any old barn? Well, we don't have any old barns at Island Church. We have glorious word-empowered women. Hallelujah. So, so. Is that all right? You better now? <laughs> so learn to value the church. Because in the church, you will begin to grow. You'll begin to find your calling. Calling is something that we all share in together. You will be able to discover your destiny. And what's amazing about church also, it'll help you set a standard, especially if you're raising children. It'll help you set a standard for your child. 
You know, I, I, I know many times we struggle because there's so much in our school systems and so much out in the world that just, I mean, it's not 1965, it's not 1975, it's not 1985 or 95, it's 2014 and there's so much. Listen, we can't even sit and watch the news with our 13-year-old girl anymore. There's so much garbage in the commercials that come on now. But a church is a place where your child will be blessed and safe and protected. And it will learn standards of righteousness and holiness. Bring your child to church. Give them a, don't give them $20 to go to a movie and then give them a dollar to come to church and teach them the value of money that way. Uh, teach them to come to church and, and to dress up a little bit. Everybody say dress up. We ought, we ought to value the church enough to just at least put on a, something a little better than a... We don't want to go to meddling there, but amen. You go to, you go to studying uh, uh, the temple and what was required of the priest in the temple. Honey, they dressed to the nines, amen. It used to be that in the Lord's day, everybody dressed up. Well, I know dressing up is different today than it used to be, but you ought to just come looking your best, Sunday best. You're going to the house of God, amen. I remember as a little boy growing up, I never, ever went to church that I didn't wear a suit and a tie. Well, I know you can't do that with kids today, but you ought to at least... Go out and buy them a nice aloha. We call them aloha shirts. Well, somebody ought to invent a Galveston shirt. We actually talked to somebody about doing that one time. We ought to invent a, a, a Galveston, a, a put some oleanders on it or something. That would really look neat. So I just gave somebody a million-dollar idea right there. All you got to do is run with it. You can get million-dollar ideas in a church. Amen? Praise God. We teach them the value of the Word there. That's why it's important to bring your children to Sunday school. That's why it's important to demand, hey, you're going to church today. Well, uh, the Bible says to train up a child in the way in which they should go. That's in the bend in which they should go. And when they're old, they're not depart. You can put something in, the, in a child in church early in their life. I'm telling you, this, this is why I'm standing here today and have been in ministry for 30 years. They put something in me. I got saved when I was six. I got baptized when I was in, uh, in the Holy Ghost when I was seven. When I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, I want you to know I lived for God. I went to camp every year. I prayed. I was at the altar every Sunday night. I went to my Sunday school class. I studied my Sunday school quarterly. I filled up my buddy barrel. Anybody know what their buddy barrel is? Raise your hand if you know what your buddy barrel is. Oh, my goodness. Buddy Barrel was a little barrel, barrel in the assemblies of God which you gave to every kid and it had a little seal, a little thing that went around it and you filled up Buddy Barrel and you brought it and gave it to missions. I filled up my Buddy Barrel every quarter. I filled up my Buddy Barrel. I studied my Sunday school quarterly. I was there when all those people would come from Africa and all those places and put all that stuff. I was there with my eyes wide open. I went to all of Brother Hagin's meetings. He'd come do two services a day, two weeks at a time. I sat there. I could almost lip sync his messages. I saw the anointing of God. I experienced the anointing of God. I saw the holiness of God. The right, I saw holy and righteous people and how they acted. It made an impression on me. And when I got away from God for almost 13 years, I was absolutely miserable. I knew I was not the person I was supposed to be. I knew I was doing what I wasn't supposed to do. I knew that I was a, a counter to that. And eventually God drew me right back and gently and mercifully pulled me right into what God always had for plan for my life. You want, to, you want to guarantee your children's success? Bring them to church. They can attend the greatest college. They can go to the greatest place uh, educational. They can get the greatest skills through that, and we want them to do that. But if they do not have a spiritual foundation on the inside of them, where will they go? They will just wander out into the unreality of this world and all that's anti-God that is in this world. But I want you to know, here in church, we can put a foundation on the inside of them. Amen. So learn... As a believer, 
to value the church and the blessing of God will be on you. Hallelujah. You lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. Lord, we give you honor and we give you glory. We praise your holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.